Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. I wrote this for a couple of people. Oh, and they're not even here right now. They stepped out. Where's Christopher at? I wrote this for him because he falls asleep a lot. Oh, he's taking a nap in the back. Okay. Just kidding. Okay, so the text for today says to stay awake. Well, Advent reminds us of Christ and his coming. He came already as a baby, born of a virgin, to save us. He often comes now in the Word and the sacrament. So he comes in the Word and the sacrament often to forgive us and to strengthen us in our walk with him. And he will come again one day as king and judge. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says a really powerful thing for us I'd like just to read to you. It's talking about Jesus who humbled himself to become a servant for us. And then it says these things. Therefore God exalted him at the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every knee will bow to Jesus. For you and for me, we will joyfully bow before him, our Savior, King, and delight and exalt and say much of him. Other people will bow the knee grudgingly. Because you see, I'm not going to read it to you right now, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 speaks about this day of wrath that's coming. There's a day of wrath coming. Okay? And in 1 Thessalonians 5, it's so interesting because it uses this idea of stay awake and falling asleep. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, it uses that, but it has the idea of staying awake, being alive, or falling asleep, no longer living. And there's other places where it talks about stay awake. And that you might think of just simply being awake, but it's also spiritually. Stay awake spiritually. Be aware of what's going on so that you're not lulled to sleep. You know, I, I have never, as far as I know, I've never driven drunk. But I have driven incredibly sleepy. And Stan, is there a huge difference between me being incredibly sleepy and driving and someone who's drunk driving? Not much. Okay? I remember one time waking up, having just gone over some railroad tracks. And as I quick pulled over to the side, it was about 15 or seconds later, a, a train went over those railroad tracks. I remember kind of waking up on the road one time where some motorcycles were passing me. Can you imagine how dangerous it was for me to be sleepy on the road? If you go to the gospel lesson for today, don't be asleep because you don't want to be swept away. It's talking about in Noah's day where they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage and all those things were going. They were just doing life. And the word was, watch out, there's a big event coming. Noah was ready. The world around him was not. And the other example it gives is, watch out, be awake, be ready because you don't want your house broken into and all of your things stolen. Be awake. Be ready. But now I want to share with you a little bit. I've been reading a book called The Rewired Brain. And this one has a favorite author, which is a favorite of a number of people. His name is C.S. Lewis. And he writes a very popular book called The Screwtape Letters. And that book is a series of 31 letters from Screwtape, a senior demon, to his nephew Wormwood, a junior tempter who is trying to get a man into hell. 
The quote from the book goes like this. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. We humans have an incredible capacity to adapt to whatever path we are on, no matter how dysfunctional or unmanageable. Ironically, unless we learn self-reflection to monitor our pain, we will remain stuck in the same recurring situations, never considering that we might need to change. (laughs) Any of you a little stuck? Any of you just kind of blindly and blissfully unaware? Any of you being lulled to sleep in our culture and in your way of life? Being drawn away from the one who gives you life, who fulfills you, who adds purpose and meaning to your life so that you might live in a way that's culturally acceptable. In this quote I gave you, the senior demon reminds his nephew that it is best not to lure the man toward the big sins like murder and adultery because a life absent of self-examination, reflection, and honesty will do the trick and carry less risk. It's much safer to let the man think that while his life might not be ideal, it is better than most, and there's no need to change course. In other words, keep it simple. Keep the man's pain at a tolerable level, and he won't wake up. Assure him he is a decent fellow, but at the same time, encourage him to repeat the same mistakes and the same negative behavioral patterns. Keep him stuck in the same toxic relationship cycles with his wife, family, and friends. And never, ever allow the man to consider for one moment that his troubles may be of his own making. No, no, no. Settle in, his man, in the man's mind that his problems are his wife's, his friends, his neighbors, his co-workers. It's all their problems. It's his mother's fault. Then your job is done. And your man safely makes it to hell. You know, I gave you five things last week. Receive spirituality. That when I live my life by faith, or what word do I like better than faith? Trust. Trust. So as I live my life by trust, what's going to reveal is that I have a constant need for God, for God's mercy, for God's grace, for God's kindness, for God's guidance, for God's deliverance, for God's forgiveness. And then I have this whole need to be grateful, moment by moment. When I'm living by trust, won't it make me grateful? When I live in the gospel, won't it humble me to see that I don't have all my act together, but I have a great God? Am I going too fast? When I'm grateful, or let me say it this way, when I'm depressed and anxious, what am I usually not? I'm usually not Rejoicing. grateful. And so one of the best things I can do is just start naming things for which I give thanks. And then what really works well is to go to somebody who needs you to serve them and lose your life in serving them. 
Receive spirituality. This is who I am. Need. Thanksgiving. And then what am I facing? I want to ask the question today, what are you facing? You're facing a world and all the influences around you that want to lull you to sleep. If I can just get lulled to sleep and just be comfortable, yeah, it's not very good. It's not the way I want it to be, but I just know the way. And it's just comfortable like an old, ratty, hole-filled jacket. Even though it really doesn't work much anymore and it's kind of all torn up. It doesn't look good. I really can't go out in public with it. But it's just so comfortable. Is there anything in your life that's so comfortable, that's got you so wrapped up in it, that you're spending so much time in it, that you really don't have any time for Jesus? And you might be saying, Pastor, how foolish are you? We're all here in church today. <laughs> to which I, was, which I would tell you, God made me a pastor because he knows if I'm sitting where you are, I'm there, but I'm not listening. Right? We can still break the third commandment while we're in church. Right? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I'm in church thinking about 85 other things. And I certainly don't want what pastor says or what the scriptures are about or the communion I received today to actually make a difference in my life as I leave this place. Because I just want to keep doing the same old things. And I don't want to walk any closer to the light for fear it might expose something about me that needs to be exposed as I fall asleep. It's a real danger. It's like me driving sleepy. God protected me again and again and again and again. I've heard stories. I've heard stories about people who have gotten drink too much and they have no clue how they got home that night. Okay? And I'm like, I haven't done that, but I've slept. I've, like, I should have pulled over and slept for a while. I should have got some water. I should have jumped around my car a few times. I should have done something instead of just continuing to drive sleepy. I wonder how many of us are living sleepy. Or how many of us have people around us who are living sleepy that God puts us in their lives for good. So how do we stay awake? How is it that we stay awake? Is it just more effort? Well, Ephesians 2 says that while we were dead in our transgressions and sins, Christ made us alive. Isn't that awesome? There's a story about Jairus' daughter. She was sick, and so Jesus was called upon to come and help. And as he was on his way, some other woman who had been sick for all those years, I think 13 years, Jesus, she touches the hem of his robe She's suddenly healed. He stops, takes a little time with her. And then by the time he's going again, they come back and say, don't bother the teacher anymore. She died. And he says, oh, no, no, no. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And Jesus goes over to where she is, and he takes her by the hand and says, little girl, I say to you, get up. And he wakes her up again. You know what God does is every single day he meets us as we receive our spirituality, as we receive our identity in Jesus, and he wakes us up from the spiritual stupor that we might be in first thing in the morning, at noontime, throughout the day, all the time. Jesus is continually working to wake us up. And we just get to receive his gifts. I was dwelling on this passage this morning. It's it's from Romans chapter 6. And just listen to what he says to us. In Romans 6. This is the whole idea of walking in the light. Romans 6, it says this. 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let me go a couple of verses before. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? I'm really good at sin. Jesus is really good at forgiveness. Why don't I just keep doing my part? To which Jesus reminds us here in Paul's writing that the two words, the two strongest words to, ne- to put a negative on something are ume in the Greek. Ume. And those are the words here. Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Wouldn't it be awesome if you and I went around and just in our thought thinking, we just said, I've died to sin. I've died to sin. I've been baptized with Jesus. I have died to sin. How can I live in it any longer? How many times don't we say, I'm just a sinner? As though there's my excuse. I'm just going to keep doing the garbage I've been doing all the time. I'm just a sinner. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what he says through his word. He says, you have died to sin. How can you live it any longer? No more excuses. Now, will you sin? Yeah, I spend time with you. I spend time with me. It's going to keep struggling. But there's a difference between knowing that I'm going to sin and for me to say, go ahead and do it. I have a young man who deals with pornography. With that young man who deals with pornography, I never give him permission to sin. Although he likes to remind me and says, well, the scripture says I'm going to keep sinning. And I say, well, let's look at Romans 6. Let's look at Romans 6. Okay? Never do we have permission to keep going down that road. And then go, go with me here for a moment. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. How will you and I live a new life? By trying really hard. By painting our skin green and puffing up. (laughs) If I can just do it. I'm just going to try hard. I'll make it this time. I'll make a list. I'll do everything I can. I'll check it twice. I'll work really super hard. And I'll beat myself up when I fail. No one does that, right? Nobody in this room. But we know people that are foolish enough to try that, right? God, in his glorious power, has taken us and made us new in Jesus. God, in his glorious power, has made us awake. And how will he continue to unite us with him? As we abide with Jesus. As we take time to walk with God. Remember the two steps of walking with God? Abide and repent. Abide and repent. As I'm walking with Jesus, abiding with him, and repenting with him, I get to live that life united with Christ. As Paul says in Ephesians over and over and over again, we are in him. And being in Jesus means we are new creations in Christ. That's what it means to stay awake, because when I'm staying awake, remember the Lutheran sign? It means I trust God and I love my neighbor. When I'm trusting God with life instead of trying, and this Larry Crabb says this, I love this little line. Instead of me trying to make my life work my way, instead of me trying to make my life work my way, 
I trust God and I'm about His kingdom work. How many times in our lives don't we just work really hard to do what Larry Crabb says? I'm just going to make my life work my way. I'm in charge. I'm going to do it. And you know, the more we live that way, the more we need to be reminded to stay awake and look away from that to trust Jesus. Just like some of you are struggling right now to stay awake, you should ask Jesus to keep you awake (laughs) as Pastor drones on and on. (coughs) So he's the one responsible for it. Just like he raised Jairus' daughter, just like he's raised us spiritually, we want to walk in this newness of life. And we want to wear the armor of light. Please listen to this beautiful passage for us in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Did you hear that? We get to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. Why do we want to stay awake? To watch out for the danger that's coming one day. Why do we want to stay awake so we can enjoy the present joys? I went to a wedding on Friday and there was a nurse there. And this nurse, um, she had been awake since 5 o'clock the previous day. And her husband said, I just don't know how she's still awake. And she said, well, I just had a Coke, so that can help me a little bit. But okay, that's cool. But you know, we want to not miss all the life that there is to live in Jesus. We want to participate in the divine nature. We want to be about these awesome things as Christ has raised us up and given us life, as Christ is responsible, like for Jairus' daughter, to give us this awakeness, this awareness. We want to make the most of it, which is living the L, trusting Loving. We want to participate in the divine nature, what God is doing, having escaped from the corruption of this world. Do you ever listen? Do you ever just let that word dwell in your heart and mind? You and I get to participate in the divine nature. You and I get to have have escaped. We've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then you know my one of my favorite Bible passages is Titus two. Because not only have we escaped the danger that's coming because of Jesus, who has raised us up so we can now enjoy what we presently have, but we also long for that future when we'll joyfully bend the knee. When I ask the congregation, and you're honest, when I say, do you really look, eagerly look forward to Jesus coming? There's a lot of heads that are nodding. Do you ever just take part of your day and think how awesome that's going to be one day? Do you just take time to think how awesome it is that the God who's going to one day come is also present with you and me right here, right now? Remember, we want to get him from here and put him in front. I said the Lord always before me, so I want to see the one who's one day going to come as my judge and set me free. Listen to Paul's words as he writes to Titus. He says these things. For the grace of God that brings salvation, no more danger, has appeared to all men, 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Titus 2, 11 to 14. God, who allows us to work, to participate in the divine nature, has so filled us with his spirit that we are eager to do good. Right? We might find him a bunch on that, right? But as I have my eyes fixed on him, delighting in what I have now, enjoying what I have now, and longing for the future, it sets us on a nice trajectory that honors God and is good for us. Amen? Amen. I'm proud of you. You all stayed awake.